Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg, where psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics and shares biblically-based psychological strategies for living well and staying safe. Now, here is your host of Living Well with Dr. Peg, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. hearing in a few minutes and I have on the phone with me today Michael Hancock's wife Shanna as well as his mom Stephanie and as you may know Michael Hancock is the Denver Uber driver who's been charged in the shooting death of his passenger and as always our prayers go out to the family of the deceased man and also we're sending prayers to Michael Hancock and his family as Michael is fighting for his freedom uh, Stephanie and Shanna Hancock have been my guests on the program um, about a month or so ago, and so I'm so grateful to have both of you back with me again. Stephanie and Shanna, thanks so much for calling in. Thank you. And thank you, thank you very much. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you, Shanna. And I know you both have to run because um, Michael has a hearing coming up in just a few minutes, but, but can you tell us uh, about the hearing that's starting? What's going on today? Well, we're actually not totally sure um, fundamentally what it is. We were told that um, this may be a continuance hearing, and we're not sure at this point if that is accurate. Um, we thought this was going to be the proof of evidence hearing today, but it seems that something else has developed that's uh, unknown to us at this time. So we're just trying to assess what it is and then move on from there. Okay, and thank you, Mom. And Shanna, um, how is Michael doing? Have you been able to speak with him recently or to write? Yes, actually, yesterday was his birthday. Oh. <laughs> well, Tuesday was his birthday, so we, we went down to see him. I talk to him every day, write him often, and he's doing well. He's saying he's doing uh, Bible study with some of the inmates there, and he's actually really upbeat. He's having faith in the Lord and trusting God right now. Amen. And I've gotten so much feedback, Shanna and Stephanie, from our last interview. People were so moved by your faith, by your optimism, um, and just by your transparency. So I just want to thank you again for having uh, done that interview. And um, we're, we're praying for Michael, and we're praying for your family. Um, how can listeners support Michael and your family, Shanna? Um, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? How can, how can listeners support Michael and your family? I get a lot of requests and inquiries, and people have made, you know, donations. Um, what's the best way for them to reach out if they'd like to support you uh, through prayers, through monetary support, and any other type of support uh, that you're asking for from, from folks who care? Yes, definitely prayers. Um, you know, the Lord told me to have patience, but we're all trusting the Father right now, and this, His hands is in this. Um, just to stand in faith with us as we're believing the Father. Um, also, there is a website where you can, where everyone can donate. Let's see if I can pull up the website. Justice for Mikey, Justice for Michael, uh, Uber Driver. It's on Facebook. Um, and it, dot org. And justice, justice for, for Michael Hancock dot org is with the number four, but on Facebook they can search yes. for Justice for Mikey on a Facebook page. Yes. Okay. That's and I'll right. put, I'll put links to that on my website, Justice for Michael Hancock dot org with the number four. 
And Stephanie, you had said folks could also connect with your family and, and um, the, the website to donate through your Facebook page, Stephanie Hancock. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, also. And here's the thing, Dr. Peck, mm-hmm. that, that really I want to make sure that everyone understands. You know, as we know, God uses circumstances to draw us closer to him because what we have to understand, this is about really about God. Michael is being used as an instrument to draw people closer to God. I, we expect something spectacular to occur, that God is going to bring deliverance through this situation. But in the meantime, it's an exercise of our faith in trusting God, believing God, sharing who he is with others, and allowing him to help us grow through this situation. We're not going through. We are growing Amen. through this this situation. And the trajectory of our entire family has been changed drastically as a result of this. Um, we come down every Monday between 4 and 6 p.m., 4.30 and 6 p.m. down here at 490 Colfax between the courthouse and the detention center, and we pray. God has done some amazing things uh, through this journey. Um, We have been able to witness to people, pray for people. Folks have given their hearts back to Christ. And it's also exercising our own determination and discipline to pray, not only for Michael, but for all the young people, all the people that are down here, because not everybody that's down here is guilty. They're sitting here. Some are just waiting and waiting, and it's an exercise of just patience and endurance at this point. It's designed to really break a person down. If they don't have family or friends to support them, if they don't have a support system that's praying for them, if they don't have access to um, legal representation or funds, it can be very difficult for a person going through this mm-hmm. alone. Well, and we thank you so much for um, bringing this to our attention because we go about our lives, you know, thinking about ourselves and our family and, you know, going to work and coming home and going on vacation. But it, it really is, um, so many people have shared with me how they can identify with uh, Michael's situation. Um, they're Uber drivers themselves, Lyft drivers themselves. Mm-hmm. They feel vulnerable. Um, they're scared. And so they see, you know, it could be them. It could have been them. And But for the grace of God, um, it's not. And so we appreciate so much, Stephanie and Shanna, uh, the way you've been able to um, share your faith and invite us to partner with you in faith and to pray and um, I'm so encouraged by your Monday um, Facebook video, Stephanie, just so you know. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate those. And you're, you're ministering to people and you're touching people's hearts. And we thank God for, for Michael um, that because of w- what's happening with him, it gives us an opportunity to partner with God and come alongside your family. Um, so we're just sending prayers. I'm, I'm inviting anyone who's listening or who will listen to this recording later, who's watching on Facebook, um, to pray and, and, and see what God does. Pray for comfort, pray for uh, provision, pray for favor. And again, we send prayers, heartfelt prayers, to the family of the victim who lost his life. And we know this is not an easy situation for anyone involved. But we thank you, uh, Shanna Hancock, Stephanie Hancock, so much. Um, Shanna is Michael Hancock's wife. Stephanie is his mom. Thank you both so much for... Um, spending a few minutes with us today and keep us posted on what happens with the hearing later in just a few few moments. Thank you so much for having us and we appreciate the opportunity to share 
Um, you know, the, the, I was just reading a scripture verse today that the, the father was saying that don't be surprised when you go through various trials and like it's something that God doesn't know about. Yes. But through it all, he's going to take us through. We'll go through the fire. We won't be burned. We'll go through the water, you know, and we won't drown. God has us in the palm of his hand. And it's an exercise of our trust, faith, and belief. And we thank you and we covet your standing with us in faith and believing, trusting God that everything is going to work out for our good. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Stephanie. And Shanna, any any final uh, words? We thank you so much for coming on today. Um, I was just, I would like to say, you know, um, through all things, let him truly be your rock. There's a lot of different things that might sway your emotions. And the Bible talks about keeping your faith on him and not in the sand and the sand will have you just going up and down but if we stand on the rock who is jesus christ he will keep us even in our emotions and you know standing fast and believing amen so thank you so much for having us you're welcome shanna god bless you both stephanie hancock shanna hancock uh, thanks so much thank you god bless you thank god bless you, you. Well, listeners, uh, that's the family of Michael Hancock, and he's a Den Denver Uber driver who is um, charged with in the shooting death of his passenger. So his family is standing by waiting for a hearing at the Denver court right now, getting ready to start in a few moments. And they're not sure what's going on. And so, again, we're soliciting your prayers. And if it's on your heart to make a donation to help in his um, uh, legal um, process as well as his family uh, meeting their material needs, you can go to justice4michaelhancock.org, and that's the number four. Or you can uh, find his mom, Stephanie Hancock, on Facebook and um, find the links from there uh, to make a donation or learn more about what's going on. And be encouraged um, by Stephanie's uh, Monday messages on Facebook, uh, just encouraging us um, in, in our own personal walks. So again, thanks to the family. And you're listening to uh, Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. And uh, you can catch us every Thursday at 1 Mountain on KLZ 560 AM and online at drpegradio.com. We're also streaming live on Facebook today. And I'm really excited to have um, my guest, Danielle Schutz, with me here in studio. And we're going to hear from her in just a moment. Uh, she's going to be talking about millennial leadership and some of the things that she's overcome in her life to um, be where she is in her career. And you'll be inspired. Uh, so stick with us for Danielle Schutz. Um, and also um, be sure to follow our sponsor, SSI Guardian. Uh, they're also on all social media outlets. They've set the new standard in advanced safety education training. SSI Guardian provides the most comprehensive active shooter training on the market. And if your school or workplace has never conducted active shooter training, or your location needs important security upgrades like classroom door locks that lock from the inside with just the push of a button, be sure to contact SSI Guardian for evidence-based best practices and existing solutions proven to make schools and workplaces safer. With SSI Guardian, you're getting the right training, the right equipment, and correct action plans. Contact them today at SSIGuardian.com and tell them Dr. Pegg sent you. Well, our topic today is millennials, you know, those people living in your basement <laughs> who were born between the early 80s and the mid-90s, uh, some say all the way to the 2000s. They're also called Generation Y, and we'll learn why. They have this negative reputation, Danielle, but we're also going to learn the assets that millennial leaders bring to the changing market and workplace. So to help us understand the good, 
the bad and the ugly of millennial leaders in the workplace. And especially we're going to focus on the good today because this show is called Living Well. <laughs> and my guest today is Danielle Schutz. And Danielle Schutz is a millennial leader. And she eradicates every negative stereotype about millennials and epitomizes the best characteristics of millennials, in my opinion. And she's a VP of finance and business operations. And she's one of the youngest VPs in the Comcast Cable Corporation. And Danielle Schutz was also named to the Denver Business Journal's 2017 list of 40 under 40 business leaders. And she has a recent TEDx Mile High Talk that I really enjoyed. We're going to talk about that today, Danielle. And you guessed it, the topic was on millennial leaders. And so Danielle Schutz, thanks so much for being my guest today. Welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, and it's so great to meet you in person. Um, I, I uh, watched you speak. Uh, get, you gave a keynote address at a recent business summit in Denver. And I just was sitting there in awe. I was like, wow, this young woman, because you're a lot younger than me, <laughs> young enough to be my, my own child. And I was like, wow, she's really, you know, got it going on there. It was really one of the best speeches. Uh, you were one of the best speakers and one of the best messages I think I've, I've heard in a long time in that kind of setting. So, Oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Yeah, so I was like, <laughs> I've got to get her on my show. And, you know, we have this this perception of millennials as, oh, my God, you know, what's going to happen in the future? Is this who's going to be taking over? But after hearing you speak, I was like, okay, our future is in pretty good hands. We might be okay. Yeah, we might <laughs> just be okay. So thanks for being here to talk about millennials and dispelling some of those myths and stereotypes and to really um, help us understand how can we see the best in millennials if we are the older generation? How do we leverage some of the strengths that often get portrayed as negatives? But I learned from your TED Talk, they can be real strengths. Absolutely. So I explored this topic because I have been in um, leadership positions for since very early in my career, since I was 26 years old myself. Mm -hmm. And I always had people saying, well, you're not a millennial or you're different than all the millennials mm -hmm. and you don't have those same characteristics. And I said, well, yeah, I actually do. I am very much a millennial and um, I've got a lot of those characteristics. Um, and I just wanted to understand why do people think I'm so different mm -hmm. because I'm in leadership? And the reality of the situation is that a lot of those characteristics uh, that the millennials have show up in me as a leader in a way that I think has been really great for mm. my career and has allowed me to really be successful as a leader of people, which is the, the most favorite part of my job mm. every single day. And so that's where I really started exploring this topic on our stereotypes yeah. um, of our very well-researched generation, these yes. millennials. <laughs> and isn't that funny? Very well-researched. And you're, you're a numbers person by your title, business operations and finance, but you enjoy the most the people side of your work. I do. Yeah. I you know, when I get up and go to work, it's it's because of my teams. And I've been so fortunate to have teams for such a long um, stretch of my career that, you know, leadership is my job. That's the way I look at it every day. Mm -hmm. I happen to be in a finance department, but leadership is what I'm responsible for every day. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm going to share a few stats uh, that you shared in your TED Talk, which was well-researched. You had your citations. I'm a retired yes. psychology <laughs> professor, so I want to make sure we have our APA-style citations here. <laughs> but you said uh, millennials make up more than 50% of the workplace, uh, the workforce, and by the year, by the year 2020, and uh, will be the overwhelming majority by the year 2025. So millennials are not going away, even if people 
you know, or heck, or they're bent on saying, yeah, they're they're negative. But even if they think that, they're not going away. So they better learn how to see the positives. I, it's exactly right. Yep, we yeah. will, will be the majority of the workforce, and um, so it's more about how do we understand mm -hmm. the generation versus mm -hmm. trying to change. Mm -hmm. And so we've got four generations working alongside each other right now. Um, we've got the baby boomers, uh, generation generation X, and I'm right on the cusp. I'm I'm a baby boomer, but depending who you read, I'm kind of a an old generation Xer. Um, we've got the millennials, which we're talking about today, and then the latest generation is called Generation Z. Uh, so we're going to talk about when we come back from the break some of the conflicts and the opportunities that we see with these four generations working alongside each other. We're going to explore some of these myths and stereotypes, and we'll talk about, as you put it, the millennial takeover <laughs> that you say is disruptive in terms of um, buying patterns, media habits, for example. So we'll talk about what are they disrupting, uh, what's really going on with them, and how do we all just get along. Uh. <laughs> so I'm speaking with Danielle Schutz, and she is an accomplished uh, millennial leader. VP of Finance and Business Operations with Comcast Cable Corporation. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. You're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back and uh, get into this topic. Threats at our schools and workplace continue at an alarming rate and require an innovative approach to overall institutional safety. A 21st century safe school needs the right training, the right equipment, and the correct action plan to achieve a future-ready, safe learning environment. SSI Guardian's comprehensive, evidence-based solutions and Tier 1 security consulting is the only active shooter training in America with an accredited CEU. Don't trust your safety to just anyone. SSI Guardian is the only choice. Visit us at SSIGuardian.com. You can learn a lot about yourself and God from a dog. When her children asked for a dog, this mom got them gerbils. So imagine their surprise and hers when she adopted an abandoned dog that she met in Dallas, Texas, just one day after her divorce. In a way that only God could orchestrate, her spur-of-the-moment decision to take in a little dog she named Dallas was just the beginning of a seven-year journey that transformed her life and taught her to see herself and God in a whole new light. Read Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, a delightful and heartwarming book by psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Part memoir, part Christian inspiration, Doggy Tales is a must-read for anyone who wants to learn to recognize God's voice, even in the most unlikely places. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll love Doggy Tales. Go to drpegradio.com books to purchase your copy today. Studies show that safety greatly impacts student learning and a teacher's ability to do what they do best. Be it broken furniture, a leaking roof, or more serious threat of violence, the 21st Century Safe School by School Specialty addresses school safety from the emotional, social, and physical perspective. Don't wait another moment. Call 877-878-5800 or visit SSIGuardian.com. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. And, you know, summer's almost over. All the kids are, are going to be heading back to school. But have you accomplished your goals that you had in mind for the year? Uh, do you want to get unstuck and establish new habits that will keep you in, on track? 
And if you're finally ready to make those changes that you've been meaning to make in your life, contact me today to learn more about my unique approach to coaching that's based on the latest psychological research and behavior change strategies. And all coaching is done by telephone, uh, making it easy and efficient to experience lasting change in your life. So just go to drpegradio.com to schedule a complimentary session today and learn how results coaching can help you get the results that you want. And again, my guest is Danielle Schutz, a lovely millennial <laughs> who's very successful in her career as a VP of finance and business operations. And she's one of the youngest VPs in the Comcast Cable Corporation. She's also on Denver Business Journal's 2017 list of 40 under 40 business leaders. So Danielle, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And how can listeners uh, connect with you? I know as a millennial, you've got to be all over social media, right? That's right. right. Yes. <laughs> all the social medias. Uh, you can connect with me. I have a, a public Facebook page um, that has all my businesses or upcoming talks as well as uh, LinkedIn and then of course Instagram because I'm a millennial. All right. And you know it's <laughs> so funny, Danielle, because now I'm showing my generation. I'm on Instagram just because, you know, you're supposed to be on all of them. Uh, but I have never posted anything on Instagram. <laughs> and yet I have lots of followers already, even though I'm not following anyone and haven't posted anything. That's so amazing. it's kind of funny to me. <laughs> but I'm on Facebook because that's my generation, right? We're right. all over Facebook. Uh, so I'll have a link as well to Danielle from my website um, at drpegradio.com. And if you want to share this interview with a friend, uh, we'll have the recording posted after we go off the air. But we'll, we're also on Facebook Live today. So if you want to uh, watch the show, you can, and that recording will be on Facebook on my Dr. Peg page after the show ends. Uh, make sure that you like and follow Dr. Peg so you can be notified of when we go live and get program updates and learn who my guests are going to be each week. So, Danielle, let's talk about this millennial takeover. You're saying they're disrupting the workforce. Yeah, that's kind of how, how I feel. They're just disrupting <laughs> everything. So what do you mean by that? You know, I was in doing all of my research really got to this sense that it's the reason we've become the most uh, research generation in history is because it is just highly disruptive. And I'm not sure it's that the generation is that much different than the generations before or if it's that we've got these four generations working alongside each other. So people are working later in life, coming mm. into the workforce earlier. Um, this day and age, so many of us women are working mm. um, compared to generations prior to us. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is um, certainly a shift that has been disruptive. And it's funny, these stereotypes that come about us in the workforce, if you look at the market trends and the way business has gone, that already exists. So our influence on the market is actually preceding our influence on the workforce and is disruptive. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Well, let's talk about these stereotypes that get all the attention. And I have twins. They're 23, so they are millennials themselves. And, of course, my children are not the typical negative stereotype because all parents think their kids are great, but mine really are. <laughs> but what are some of those stereotypes, starting with the technology and, and those cell phones that are like attached to their hands? Yeah, this is a big one, right? Yeah. We're, you know, we're the generation that's sort of grown up in technology, which mm -hmm. the negative stereotype of that is that we really can't put down our phones or we don't really see the world for what it is outside of our technology and sort of social media. We just talked about that. Um, and that, that, that has become this negative stereotype about our generation. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing is, Danielle, people my age and older are 
equally attached to their devices. I would agree. Yeah. And so you're what we call the digital native. You don't. You probably have very little recollection of a time before these uh, devices were so prolific. And uh, you know, we had video games in my day, but it was a black screen with a little white um, rectangle and a little ball, and it was called Pong. And it was like <laughs> tennis, but it had like no graphics, and we would be riveted to that. So you guys are digital natives, but I think um, this technology is impacting all the generations. Even um, seniors are, you know, on their devices. Like when you travel, you're at the airport, and there's a senior citizen who looks like she's about 75, 80, and I'm like, wow, she has, she's working that iPhone. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all doing it. So that... that um, Stereotype, um, it really applies, I think, to almost everyone because the technology has been so disruptive. But what would be the, uh, um, the assets that we could leverage in the workplace knowing that your generation is so connected uh, through the technology? Well, I think it's really important to understand that this is not a negative stereotype. You're right. Um, people are all starting uh, to really understand technology, but it makes our world really small. Mm -hmm. So my world growing up has seemed a lot smaller than the generation's seating me because social media, I have friends that I've never met. I have friends in other countries. I have friends in LinkedIn who can send me a message and have a conversation about work right. who I may never meet in my entire life. So my world seems small. The whole world seems smaller. And it's beautiful because it also makes our world more diverse. Mm -hmm. So we are uh, we have access to diversity in a way that uh, generations preceding us did not. Right. And even I think a greater appreciation in your generation than perhaps even older generations have for diversity and the value and and what it contributes to our life. Right. Yeah. And so um, uh, this whole thing with um, the world seeming smaller, in some ways, though, it's a benefit that you can meet all kinds of people. But how does it change how you define your social interactions because it seems like the millennials and generation z are less interested in real face-to-face -face human interactions they'd actually rather be on their device interacting with someone they don't even know in person while sitting next to a real human being they do have a relationship with i think it's an i think it's an absolute distraction like we can we can allow it to be a distraction or something mindless at the end of the day that we get into or having it on the dinner table so i think that is isn't the right way to use social media although i will say i'm i am uninterested in phone conversations uninterested uninterested okay. like i don't i don't want to talk to people on the phone that's not like you know if you think about how i've grown up we yeah. just didn't talk on the phone um so i either wanted to be short texts or you know we're using our devices in that way or to be face to face okay. and i think that's actually how it shows up more than anything i i think we're a very social group a mm -hmm. very social generational group yeah um but we don't like talking on the yes. phone because my thing is if we're texting and i'm like okay this is just taking too long I'm going to call you. Why aren't you answering? Because I know you're there on your phone. Right. <laughs> you just texted me. So thank you for helping me understand that. It's more about just don't like long conversations on the phone. That's right. Okay. But still enjoy face-to-face. -face. I do very much. Very good. Now, another um, perception is that millennials can't solve problems on their own. They're, they're kind of been babied. And in your <laughs> TED Talk, you had a funny line where you were basically saying, if you're complaining about us, it's partially your fault because you're the ones who raised us like this. That's right. And my mom's watching, I'm sure, right now and uh, <laughs> hey, because mom. I am her baby <laughs> and she did baby, baby me. So that's, that's accurate. I can't deny it. Yes. Um, and I think some people see that as we don't want to work for ourselves. But really, the perspective is that we were just brought up working in this environment where you get other people to help 
you do things. Mm -hmm. And as a leader, my team loves that Mm -hmm. about me. When I'm not able to do something as good as someone else, I don't have any problem asking them to help me do it or to delegate things that um, traditionally have been difficult in a leadership transition Mm -hmm. have been very natural for me. I don't have any problem having the team help me out. Yeah. And so where information, facts, stats are available at your fingertip just by, I just discovered you can tell Siri what, you know, ask her what's 17 times 32. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to know really how to do basic math anymore. Just ask Siri. Uh, So with all that information at our our fingertips, uh, it really makes collaboration more value added, it sounds like, because no one person has all the answers. Um, Hopefully, your generation is learning how to think critically about information because just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's accurate. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, I think that'll be the future. I suspect my kids um, coming out of college will get back to some of those liberal liberal arts degrees, Mm -hmm. actually, um, because the the systems will do the the thinking in the sense of the quantitative thinking and spit out data. And then it will be about people who can think. So what does this data mean to my company? Mm -hmm. How do I use it? What's the story behind it? And I bet you we're going to see a lot more of that coming out of college in this next round. And creativity. So STEM was the big thing, but now they're adding STEAM, the A for arts. And so how can we be more creative because we have all the raw information we need, but what do we do with it? What do we do with it? Very good. Well, I'm speaking with Danielle Schutz, and we're talking about millennial leaderships and some of the stereotypes or negative perceptions that many of us older folks have about the millennial generation. If you want to share your experience, if you're a millennial or you're in the workplace trying to lead millennials uh, and you want to share your experience or you want to vent a little or ask Danielle a question, give us a call. We're taking your calls at 303-477-5600. Now let's talk about uh, the big E for entitlement. (laughs) So I retired from teaching college and um, I, I was teaching in my last position at a community college where our average age, our median age in the past used to be 26, 27, and even older at night. Uh, but it's come down dramatically, and we even were having more high school students concurrently enrolled in high school and taking college classes. And they love to take psychology, which is what I taught. <laughs> and so I was seeing younger and younger students more and more um, entitled Um, felt entitled to have an A because they showed up and graced me with their presence that day. (laughs) So let's talk about uh, entitlement. Is that an accurate um, uh, perception? And what might be the flip side of that that you leverage as a leader to get great productivity and results from your team? I think the perception is accurate, right? Because that in itself, perception is what people are observing Mm -hmm. from us, right? Um, What I see it as is I call us, you know, the revolutionaries of the participation trophy. (laughs) And I try to remind people that participation was the goal. And we were taught that. (laughs) Yes. yes. It wasn't, okay, you you always are the best or you always win. It was a much less competitive environment in which we grew up. Yes. Um, So yes, that you're hearing it as entitlement, as if it's a lack of hard work, but I would reframe that to say the work and the win comes in participation. And that's okay. why you saw people show up to class and say, like, I'm here, I'm like, here. I'm participating. Right. And um, that's not necessarily the right way, but it is a part of how we were raised. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and again, like you said, it's the it's the boomers and the Generation Xers fault that, yeah. <laughs> that uh, my story for about that, that participation trophy uh, came from field day when my children were younger. And they were running heats of only three kids at a time. 
uh, so that they could each get a, a ribbon, first, second, and third place, and they were running like seven heats instead of, you know, maybe two or three heats and more competition. Everyone got a ribbon. Everyone got a trophy. And I was thinking, this is just defeating the whole purpose. So <laughs> it really is setting new rules, it sounds like. They have been reset. And I'm a competitive person, so I yeah. like the art of, of winning something. But <laughs> in general, you know, I feel really good when, when we've come and, and given it our all. And even me, who's very competitive, really does reframe what a win looks like, mm. which is very different for corporations and things like that. Yeah, and, and I watch a lot of Shark Tank. I don't have a business degree or business background background like you do. Uh, but uh, what I understand from watching Shark Tank is uh, more and more corporations, more and more startups, more and more entrepreneurs, who many of them are millennials, are the goal is not just to make the biggest profit. It is really to make a difference. And often these companies are giving back some percentage of their proceeds or profits to some uh, uh, charity or some cause. Um, talk about that a little bit, how that's changing what it means to win in the workplace. Doesn't necessarily mean the the fattest bottom line, there, there's other ways to define that we're winning and profiting. I think this uh, particular point is the most disruptive of all, of all the points. So because we see participation, the teamwork, we show up as a team, that means we're winning. Mm. Um, and because we are entitled to think that uh, people should align with the way that we look at the world, which back to our world being diverse and more women working in our in our um, generation than before. We've seen more of that. We're requiring companies to align with that, and that's what the research says is going to continue to happen. And I think this is really disruptive to the financial industry. Quick example, you know, like a Kylie Jenner uh, said, hey, I don't use Snapchat anymore. Mm. And they lost $800 million of market cap in one day. Wow. In the past, you really had to do some work to lose $800 million of your market wow. cap. And so that's a shift. It's very disruptive. Wow. And that's that's a shift to what they call influencers, right? That's right. And um, I, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm an influencer in my little generation. You are. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is on a whole other scale than my, you know, what I'm doing here. It's like you're saying, millions of followers on social media where they're hanging on her every word and she's setting trends. That's right. Yeah. And marketing is shifting on its head that way because before it was, okay, how do I market to 90% of my base? Now it's how do I market to the 10% of my base that influences mm. the other 90%. Yeah, and it's totally different. Yeah, yeah. And I guess um, that's the thinking behind um, the swag bags, for example, for the Oscars. It's right. like these are the richest celebrities <laughs> who can buy whatever they want. Why are they getting these $50,000 swag bags? But it's what's in the bags that they're going to influence the rest of us who are watching. That's right. right. $50,000 well spent. I know. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Well, let's talk about um, this other perception of them not being motivated. I think that kind of goes along with the entitlement. And that's something, again, in, in higher education, unfortunately, and, and probably K-12 as well, we might be seeing a shift. Uh, but uh, what I'm learning from you today is it might be a matter of us redefining what motivation looks like rather than saying they're not motivated or, or what does motivate them. Yeah, I, I love that. It's it's a shift because I, you, won't, you won't meet anybody more motivated than I am. It's just I'm motivated by very different things. Yes. And it's not my paycheck. It's um, not bonuses. That doesn't do much for me and mm. how well I'm going to perform on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's a, that's a big shift. They're still figuring out how to even provide compensation packages that retain millennials because we are not motivated by traditional things like dollars mm -hmm. um, and, and the bottom line. And so 
Um, that's a really interesting shift uh, for us. I'm motivated by my impact um, in my company, and, and the research says that's what millennials are motivated by too. I think it gets back to that participation. They want to show up and feel like we have influence, we're helping the company, wow. the company's making decisions based on the work that we're doing, and that the company is in alignment with the things that motivate us outside of work, wow. um, like our community. Mm-hmm. Now, that's really interesting. And so if you're ever not motivated by your bonus, feel free to, <laughs> to just hand it over. <laughs> I'm just saying, just saying. And so um, wanting to make an impact, wanting to feel like uh, I showed up, I made a difference. People listened to what I had to say uh, is more motivating than money. Now, I imagine you're uh, leading people who are not millennials. Now, how has that shift? Or is it kind of like you have to have this dual motivation strategy to depending on the generations, or is what's motivating this generation something that older generations are actually paying attention to and and maybe adopting as well? Well, I find that, you know, maybe our generation um, affects how we lead, but what I don't see is that generations want to be led differently. Mm. And I have led people um, uh, who obviously are not millennials. In fact, most of my career, people have been older than me that I lead. And it's actually a beautiful relationship because I know I have so much to learn from them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very close with my own parents. Um, at, at generation, generationally, we report that we're close to our parents more than any generation prior to us. They're our friends. Wow. And yes, so we see yes. people in mm-hmm. older generation as our friends. We have no problem chatting with them. And so I, I love it because I learned so much from them. I feel like they have my back wow. and want me to be do well. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. And that was one of the things that really struck me about the speech that you made where I first uh, Um, uh, heard you speak was you were so humble and so grateful to uh, those on whose you know backs you're standing and whose accomplishments have paved the way for you to even be where you are today including your parents I'm sure well I'm speaking with millennial leader Danielle Schutz and we're talking all things millennial I want to get more into this motivation because I watched a webinar the other day about how to motivate millennials so I want to see what you think about these ideas I'm Dr. Pegg stay with us we'll be back after these messages Schools are increasingly adopting 21st century learning strategies. However, safety largely remains absent from the conversation and fragmented efforts continue allowing for security gaps. Studies show effective learning can only exist when students and teachers feel safe. As the industry leader providing innovative educational solutions for more than 58 years, School Specialty has created the 21st Century Safe School, which aligns next generation learning best practices with proven safety solutions focused on the mental, physical, and emotional well-being of every student, teacher, and school employee. From early childhood solutions to advanced training for teachers and administrators, the 21st Century Safe School is the most complete and comprehensive approach available to schools and universities. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the safest environment. Take action today by calling us at 877-878-5800 and learn more about this innovative approach at SSIGuardian.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Do you ever make changes, but after a few days, weeks, or even months, you slip back into your old behaviors and patterns? If you want something different, you've got to do something different. Yet most people won't do what's required to experience the lasting change they say they want. Why? Because change is hard, it's scary, and it comes at a cost. If you're ready for change, join me for a one-day, do-something-different-for-a-change personal transformation retreat. 
In this intensive yet intimate retreat, you'll learn fundamental principles and strategies for lasting change and transformation and craft a customized plan that you can put into action right away. Contact me today to schedule your own private VIP Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat. Go to drpegradio.com slash retreat. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for sticking with us. I'm having a great time with Danielle Schutz, and she's a millennial leader, VP of uh, finance and business operations, and one of the youngest VPs with the Comcast Cable Corporation, also a TEDx Mahai speaker on millennial leaders. And so if you want to get more in-depth into what we're talking about and hear from her, check out her uh, mile mile high uh, TEDx video. Just uh, Google that online. I imagine you probably have a, a link to it on your webpage. I too. do. Dshoots.com. Yeah. Yep. And I've got a link to Danielle on my webpage, drpegradio.com. And so if you'd like to ask Danielle a question, if you're a millennial and you want to uh, defend yourself against some of these stereotypes, or perhaps you're a uh, another generation who works alongside the millennials and you want to share your perspective, you can give us a call today at 303 477 5600. So Danielle, I was telling you that I had watched a webinar the other day about millennial leaders. Um, Coincidentally, um, right before I knew I was having you on the show, because my children are millennial leaders. Um, They're young adults. My daughter's still in grad school or back in grad school. She worked for a while and my son is working. And so I was curious about, you know, millennials in the workplace and leadership. And so uh, glad to have you on the show for your perspective. But some of the things I learned from this webinar is exactly what you're saying about um, your millennials are extremely motivated, but it's really tapping into for what are they motivated. And so the things that maybe would have worked in our generation or have worked uh, to motivate us in our generation, my generation, uh, Boomer or, or Generation X, they're just not the same things that you guys get excited about. Uh, one of the things they talked about was um, providing social interaction at work. And I was like, you know, come on, we're at work. You know? <laughs> and when, I'm, when, I'm, when I clock out, that's when I'll have fun and socialize. I'm trying to work here. So talk, talk about that and the kinds of environments. You know, we've seen the Google, you know, the Google offices and all the amenities they offer them. And there seems to be a lot of interaction and conversation and fun all day long. When the heck are they working? <laughs> That is working. Uh, <laughs> that's the yeah, collaboration. That's the collaboration. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I don't spend much time in my office at all. Okay. My team will tell you. I even do like one-on-ones uh, down in our cafe, sitting yeah. at a table okay. as if we're in a coffee shop just to get up and shake it up and uh, move around. And that's just really my style. Um, and we, I am, I'm a, I, me specifically, I am a social butterfly. I do need those interactions where I'm chatting with people. But I just would remind folks, you know, we grew up with the play date. (laughs) And so we are used to getting things done in that way with people. Um, And I, you know, unless the outcomes are not being produced, you know, I think people's way of getting across the finish line is just different. Yeah. Well, yeah, play dates. It's funny because, um, you know, we just went outside and looked around to see who was out there and went down the street and knocked on the door and we played outside. I uh, shared an article even today on my Dr. Peg Facebook page about uh, doctors who are prescribing outdoors uh, because <laughs> kids are just not even going outside anymore. And so, um, how do we how do we incorporate that play date and trying to get people back outside? I used to do walking meetings yes. uh, where I would leave the building and we had a trail re- right behind my office, and I'd say, okay, let's walk and talk. And a lot of research shows that that movement 
and thinking, it really stimulates thinking because it's sending blood to the brain. We spend a lot of time walking meetings. um, And what I notice a lot about my team is that folks work out in the middle of the day. So Mm. they'll go take a yoga class or they'll go to the gym um, instead of just sitting and eating eating their lunch. So definitely just a different way of thinking about it. Instead of the three martini lunch, it's a... uh, sitting dog pose or whatever they That's call it right. in yoga, right? <laughs> All right, good. Well, another one that I saw was um, finding ways to gain commitment to the job because um, I can't remember if I saw it in your TED Talk, but uh, millennials will stay 1.8 years on a job and they'll have lots of jobs in their career. And the days of the gold watch after 50, you know, 25, 30, 40 years is a thing of the past. So how do we... Uh, help them make a commitment to staying at this job and and this uh, investing uh, in this company when the company is investing so much to to attract, to recruit, to hire, to train and retain employees and they're cool to just leave tomorrow if they get a better offer. Yeah, I read somewhere that the millennial turnover is costing the economy $50 billion a year. Um, And I think it's about how do you um, compensate people the way they need to be compensated? Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I think we get it wrong right from the beginning. And I do these workshops and most millennials report they would happily give up some of their base salary to have a flexible work schedule. Mm-hmm. Or they'd give up some of their base salary to have a community investment allowance. Hey, I want 10 grand to invest in my community wow. out of my salary wow. every every year. And when you ask people, what would your comp pack look, look, at, look like if you did it? Mm-hmm. It's never two things. It's never wow. stock and your base salary. Mm-hmm. It's many things. Mm-hmm. And I think if uh, corporations start approaching compensation in that way that meets the generation where they are, you'll see retention. It's hard to leave a company who's lets you be flexible right. or who, you know, make sure you can take your kids to school or to work or to school before you come to work. Right, right. You know, you, you don't want to give that up if right. someone's giving you that freedom. Right. So leaving for a better offer, as you said, is not about a better paycheck, a, a, you know, more zeros on the end. It really is about the work-life balance, the lifestyle they're looking for, and again, wanting to make a contri- uh, contribution. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Talk about um, the meaningful purpose and vision, how important that is for motivating, retaining, and getting the most productivity out of millennial workers. You know, it, it gets a little bit back to that entitlement thing or, or, you know, our parents parents babying us or being, you know, helicopter parents. You started to hear that with our generation and that, you know, that we're used to having um, well-defined structure, structured days, packed with mm-hmm. schedule. We know what we're up to. Oh, our gosh, parents yeah, helped us. Yeah. Driving you yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's very much a part of our upbringing. And so now we go into organizations and we're like, What's the what's the goal here? What's the vision? What what do you guys expect from me? How am I contributing to the vision? And it's just an an expectation that we um, will get that level of structured detail um, from the organizations we work for. Wow! And so this whole notion of um, some of the you know spoof videos that I saw maybe five years ago or so uh, would really portray the millennial as you know I just got here you know last week and I'm already expecting to be promoted or um, what do you mean you need me at a meeting at 8:30? I'm not really done with yoga class <laughs> until 10 and I've got to stop and get my you know, double latte whip foam whatever drink right. uh, how do you kind of how do you how do you help us understand that? Is that really just kind of a, a a meme, or is there some element of truth in that? There's some element of truth in that, mm-hmm. and, and and we are not blameless. So that I see that myself, um, where it's 
we sort of reject structure, so we reject it in its entirety and think all structure is bad. Um, and you do see, oh, well, I'm, I don't want to come in at eight, you right. know, even if I have an important meeting or, you know. And it's um, an international call and it's already noon. That's right. You, so you got to get in early. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I would prefer <laughs> not to go in early myself, but I've got some meetings sometimes, right, right, you know, right. that's, that's part of life. And so we have to flex. Um, and I don't, you know, if there's one thing I would say, it's not necessarily a stereotype, but people ask me, well, what's the thing we're not doing well as a generation? Mm. And I call it, you know, sort of grit, mm. which is understanding you're not going to like everything that happens mm -hmm. and that all the rules won't be yours, but just be, have some grit, like yeah. get through it, fight yeah. through it. Yeah. And the way psychologists define grit is passion, interestingly, plus perseverance over the long haul. Mm. So something that you're excited about and passionate about that allows you to hold on and not let go and persevere for as long as it takes to be successful or get to the goal. That's right, I love that. Mm -hmm. Good, well let's uh, talk about uh, how you're parenting as a millennial parent. And um, you also uh, started out as a teen mom. Mm -hmm. And so um, people might look at you today and see the life that you have and the success that you have and think maybe things have always been easy for you. Uh, but let's talk about your um, your story, your journey as a teen mom and um, kind of the bumps along the way and the successes along the way and how that has shaped your perspectives on parenting as a millennial parent. Yeah, wow. Well, I yeah, I had my son Kai when I was 16 and he just turned 16 last wow. Friday, which mm -hmm. was quite a, a moment <laughs> of whoa uh, for me. And uh, so he, by some definitions, is also a millennial. So it's a millennial raising a millennial. Yeah. Uh, in one house and <laughs> I think some of the beautiful things about um, my teen mom journey because full of hardship as you can imagine but um, uh, he's my friend and I've always treated him like he was an independent human creature <laughs> right Not your mini me as people say right? that's right yeah. he was um, I, I didn't know to treat him like a baby so I sort of said hey I've got to live life still so you're gonna be a part of my life but you're not gonna be my whole life okay. I still had to graduate high school college get yeah. married yeah. and so he is very independent and understands and values uh, the world and diversity and he understands that things don't just come and you have to work really hard for them so that certainly has influenced uh, my parenting and every day of my life as mm -hmm. well as business and everything else that I've done. Yeah. And so you probably have an atypical journey for the, the average um, person. I don't know the stats on um, um, mothers who have their children as teenagers, but I imagine it's not the typical journey. What would you say um, is happening with your peers who are choosing motherhood um, as adults and um, as millennials? What does that look like today? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting because we're having children later mm -hmm. um, in life than, than previous generations. And um, and my journey was very atypical to that as far as the millennial generations or even choosing not to have kids. You see that uh, more with at my all, generation, right? not having children having at all. Having fur babies That's instead. right, <laughs> <laughs> of which I have none. <laughs> um, and so very different. And um, I am actually grateful that I didn't um, wait too long um, and that I didn't have any money. <laughs> Because I had to parent in a different right, way. Right. You so, might have had the entitled, spoiled kid. That's if you right. Had more resources. That's right. right. That is exactly right. We had to figure it out um, in a more creative way, yes. and um, he had to come alongside me. And even the differences between my daughter, who's 11, and Kai, um, and my resources available to raise both of them is so so different. And so, um, I think people are having um, kids later in life, and I mm -hmm. think. 
one thing I think that with my generation that I uh, warn folks about when they ask me about being a parent and I just say, don't, you don't have to change your life. You don't have to shift from this is who I was today. So now I have to try to be someone totally different tomorrow now that I have kids. Like that's not, you know, why God gives us kids. He gives us kids to have our influences mm -hmm. um, on them and to bring them into our life. And I see that with my generation where it's overanalyzed. It's too mm -hmm. analytical mm -hmm. parenting. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so um, that's always the advice I give people. It's yeah. like, we've been doing this for hundreds of years. <laughs> Don't Google anything right, and you'll right, be fine. Right. And so um, <laughs> prolonging it until just the right time of in their life, right? And there's never a right time. And I had someone tell me before I had, had children, as hard as you think it's going to be, you end up wishing it were that easy. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. It's, ne it's always way, way harder than you could ever imagine, right? That's but right. then at the same time, rewarding. That's absolutely yeah. right. Good, good. Well, um, you blog a lot about the importance of self-care, uh, and because I've been kind of perusing your your uh, website and your social media and the things you're putting out there, and so uh, that work-life balance is something that's really important to millennials and being able to have flexibility and feeling like they're making a contribution, something they're passionate about, and they have a vision and purpose. Um, so, how do they keep that balance of because uh, I could see even though you're taking the yoga class, it would be really easy if you're passionate about what you're doing to put in a lot of hours and burn the midnight oil. Then you're postponing um, having children, perhaps having um, marital relationships. Um, how are you getting that balance so that you're, you're uh, operating in self-care, not burning out, not stressed out? Yeah, well, it's balance is a tricky, tricky word. Mm -hmm. um, and I, what I would tell people is that where I think we go wrong is that we don't define it for ourselves. We don't really know what we value or um, how our day should look in a way that is best um, balanced for us. So balance to me and my state where I am is very different uh, than balance to some people. Some people would look at my life. I travel a lot for work and go, that's crazy. Like there's no balance there. But for me, uh, work is a part of what I do that I love. So I am getting getting my balance out of, out of doing my job. And so I would really encourage people to actually write it down. What mm. does a balanced, perfect mm. dream day look like? Mm -hmm. And what does your day look like now? And where are the gaps? Mm -hmm. And only you can define it for yourself. And the biggest part of balance and self-care is stop letting people define things mm. for you. Yeah. Stop letting them tell you you're unbalanced. Stop looking at your neighbor who's got a meal on the table every night and say, well, she's got it figured out and I'm a mess. That, that's just not real. Mm -hmm. So really defining that for yourself, uh, when we start looking to others, we don't know their circumstances. They're not in the same situation we're in. They don't have the same interests or right. talents or areas where you need support. So you really do have to see what's going to work for me. That's right. Understanding oneself is the key to balance and success and gratitude and all of those other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about that. You're, you're a successful leader. You're a successful woman in corporate America. Uh, talk about your career path. So you, I had a, a woman on my program a couple weeks ago who um, is a, uh, a nurse administrator with Denver Health, Felicia Boyd, and she was a teen mom herself. And uh, we talked about overcoming life's challenges for her to be where she is today. So talk about your path that you did end up graduating high school and I presume went on to college and how did you end up where you are today? 
Um, this deep, stubborn streak. <laughs> so when I got pregnant, you can imagine the world said, uh-oh, like, well, there she goes, right? Now she's a and statistic. And you talked about listening and looking to other people to kind of define yourself and find your way. That's right. I felt like uh, folks had given up mm -hmm. on my future, and I wasn't ready to do that. So if nothing else at the beginning, I just was really stubborn and wanted to prove everybody wrong. <laughs> and then eventually I just started to love what I do, and I had my son, and I just wanted to give him everything that I... Um, was capable of and is still sort of how I look at the world and it's made me successful in my career because I just I look at my career as side to all that I've had to overcome mm. and there's not much that can happen in my career journey that makes me as scared as I was <laughs> being pregnant at 16 and I've look what's come of that it's, it was the most beautiful thing in my life and so if that can turn into something beautiful whatever I'm going through today can turn into something beautiful. And I just try to reframe my hardest moments into I'm just being sandpapered for greatness, okay. whatever's next. Yeah, yeah. well, and anyone who uses the word reframe, I like, because that's a, a psychologist's favorite word is reframe. And so we really do have to reframe. It doesn't have to be how it appears or what other people say. It really is what we make of it. I, it's, you know, and I'm a young woman of color, uh, in corporate America, uh, or when I worked in the government before here. And, and so if I walked around completely absorbing what other people say or think or um, what they might be projecting onto me or what I might be projecting that I think they're projecting, then I would really be carrying more weight than I would be capable of mm -hmm. as a human. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the takeaway lines from the speech that I heard you give was that our self-talk is the GPS of our life. It's either going to get us uh, stuck in a ditch or it's going to move us forward to greatness, to our goals. Well, Danielle Schutz, I imagine you have some wonderful self-talk, and I appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been quite my pleasure. Listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and you can catch us every Thursday at 1 on KLZ 560. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Living Well with Dr. Peg. For more information or to contact Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark about her mental health or consulting services, please visit her webpage at drpegradio.com.